Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Um, I wanted you guys to hear from the Word of God. Um, I wanted you to hear uh, what I believe God is saying to us about marriage and what He says to us uh, from the Scripture. But I also know that, you know, you know when you think about different genres of uh, communication, um, ser- sermonic preaching is that just that as a genre. And based on the genre, there's a limitation on what it can do. I can't say everything, I'm sure, um, as you guys listen to me. There were some of you who like, hey, maybe, maybe the preaching raised more questions than it gave answers in some way. Um, and there's no way I could be situationally specific uh, to everything that's going on in everyone's life, right? Um, so I'm sure um, there are questions. So we thought that it would be important to create opportunities um, for you to ask questions and to dialogue and things like that. And so uh, many of you um, have emailed in questions throughout the week, uh, and we're going to be kind of prioritizing uh, those questions and things of that nature that have been emailed in. But we're also, for those who are like, man, I had a busy week. It was a crazy week. Uh, We're going to also give you all an opportunity to text questions in. So I'm going to throw that number at you real quick, which is um, if you want to text a question in, uh, it's 314 282-8303. And so that number will be up there if you want to test a question in. We'll take your questions in real time. Uh, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, we already got a lot of questions that have been emailed in. So we're going to do our best to group those questions um, and to answer them as we go through. So please don't be mad if we don't get to your question. We're doing the best we can. We want to be sensitive to time um, and things of that nature. But we're going to get through um, as many as, as we can. So as I've already said, I've been talking to y'all for the last month, so you've heard enough from me. Um, And for those who may be visiting, I'm the lead pastor. I'm Carlos, and I don't think I introduced myself. Um, But I'm actually going to, um, I'm going to be helping to moderate, do some facilitating, but I'm really um, just up up here just in case somebody wanted to throw specific questions up here. Our true moderator um, is actually going to be my dear sister, uh, Sister Sabrine Rhodes, who is to my left. Let's give it up for Sabrine. So... I'm really just, you know, I'm really just kind of hanging out, which is why I'm sitting at her right hand um, as she, you know, I'm just here to, you know, just as a strong assistant to help her out, you know. And, uh, but really, I'm just here. I'm part of the panel if there's questions for me, but she's going to be leading our time. Um, if you don't know who Sabrina is and if you don't know why she got those massive cheers, um, she is our executive director of ministries here at Hanley Road. She is our director. That's right. That's right. She, she oversees integration and alignment here at our church. What that means practically is that the Lord, um, he's given me wonderful visions and given our elders wonderful visions, but you have to have people that can make sure that that actually happens on the ground. So if you have experienced intentionality, excellence in our ministry and are seeing things um, happen well, you have been a beneficiary um, of Sabrine's ministry. Uh, and so I am going to hand things over to her and she's going to introduce our panelists and get our time rolling. So... Um, with no further ado, <laughs> Sister Sabrine Rhodes. I don't know quite what to do with that. Accept it. You have no choice. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for this opportunity, and really, it's better to be in a position of the moderator than having to ask these questions, <laughs> answer these questions. So, thank you all so much, panelists, for being willing to sit on stage and let people ask you questions about marriage. It's Fairly intimidating, wouldn't you say? Um, I would love for you guys to introduce yourselves and to definitely tell us how long you've been married, but also feel free to tell us one interesting fact about your marriage that helps us know who you are, something that would help give our congregation context for who you are. I threw them a curveball. They didn't expect that last part. All right, I Being married to Gretz for 28 years. She's put up with me. Uh, yeah. 28 years. <laughs> 28 years. Yeah. Um, we have two kids. Some of, we, uh, some of you know them, Caleb and Kaylee. They're both off in college on the back end of their college careers, and so we're thankful for that. Um, something about our marriage. Uh, Gretchen and I love to laugh, like, I mean, just kind of in the floor, crazy laughter. She is a lot more funnier than people realize, and so that's always been a part of our marriage. It's just like, you know, kind of gut wrenching. Go falling laughter at certain things. So, anyway, 
Gretchen Layton. Um, I am, of course, married to Aaron, 28 years. So, uh, interesting fact, our probably our, huh? our my, one of our favorite dates is just coffee dates. We love coffee. We're big coffee people. Oh, that's that's interesting too. So, we after we got engaged, we were at a movie, and um, they mentioned Geneva, Switzerland, and I turned to Aaron and I said, "Oh, by the way, that's my no. We were just dating." I said, "That's my mother's name," and he looked at me and said, "No way, that's my mother's name." So, <laughs> we both both of our moms' name is Geneva. So that's pretty interesting. <laughs> Both named Geneva, both birthdays in June, and my maternal grandmother's named Geneva. So at our wedding, it was like Geneva, Geneva, Geneva. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Nathan Mattia. I'm one of the elders here at Hanley Road. Uh, we've been married for 21 years. This is my wife, Amy. Uh, it ain't us. Um, so I would say one fun fact is that we got married after only seven months of dating. We got married after seven months of dating, engaged, engaged after like three. Pop the question on a papasan in Kansas City. So in a, in, a, in a garden ridge, no less. That's where we had the talk, so. Wow. So I think what you've learned from that is that Nathan's really romantic. <laughs> I see how this is. Um, yeah, I don't know what else. I'm Amy Mattia. Um, we, ha we have been married for 21 years. I would say that um, the other funny thing about us getting engaged is that we felt like it was like so rebellious. Like people would be like, oh my gosh, you guys have only been dating for three months. But people were like, yeah, all right. <laughs> so it, it wasn't very scandalous. <laughs> My husband wakes up with a song in his heart, and so there is loud music in our house all the time. And so we're always singing, always loud. There is something interesting about our family. <laughs> so I don't know if she meant that as a uh, good thing or, because uh, um, we refer to her as the granny in the house, because uh, she likes it to be quieter. So, yeah, I'm Anthony Luster. We've been married for, it'll be 12 years on October 23rd. Awesome. Yeah. So, we are the babies on the panel, so direct most of your questions. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. All right, here's your first question. I'm going to combine a couple of questions that were asked. What do you wish you knew or worked on individually before you got married? And what would you tell a younger single version of yourself in terms of how to prepare? See, I just jumped right in there. All right, I'll chime in and I'll try to go quickly. I'm very long-winded, so I'm gonna, uh, that's why I gotta write notes to keep myself on track. So in short, what do you wish you knew or worked on individually before you got married? Um, individual counseling. There are so many personal issues that you're not even aware of until you get married and the heat of marriage puts those things on and so you can be engaged in ongoing battles and fights and not knowing it's tied to family pain, family hurt, or even individual things. And so, yeah, if I had to go back, it would be personal counseling to explore. Because then once you do get married, right, you can identify certain things like, hey, I'm reacting this way because this is how I felt when, you know, my mom made me take the trash out or whatever this is, my relationship with my dad or whatever it was, or previous relationships. So I'd say counseling. The other thing, um, really not to be super spiritual, but uh, really on communing with God alone and devotion, and those things are separate. So what I mean by communing is provide an opportunity and space, right, in order for God to inform your mind regularly, right? There's so many thoughts that are bouncing around in your head that are coming from all over the place. 
not excluding the devil, right? He's in your ear. And so you need communing regularly, right, just to get your mind right. And so I would say, like, man, as much as you, because then you can identify who the actual enemy is. Then also the Lord is informing you and he's healing you and those type of things. So communing. And then the last thing, um, in your devotional time, regular scripture reading, right? Not just reading through, but where you're studying. Because the, the word of God is formative, right? That community time is formative. The word of God is formative where it is washing your mind. It is beating out all of the things that the world is telling you this is the way they operate. And a lot of times we don't realize that. You have to have regular devotion time, right? And that's every day as much as you can, right? So that's, that's what I would do. Awesome. Hey, before you go on, how many of you married couples would also recommend or tell your younger self to get counseling? Yes, so we all confirm that's a good one. Yeah. And I'll just add to that, one of the things that I wish that I had worked on before marriage is cultivating a heart and mind to be able to hear hard things about yourself. Ooh. And that is just so important because in marriage, um, that, that, so it's so cliche, communication is key. But communication breaks down so much because we are not able to hear things about ourselves. But the truth of the matter is, if we're honest with ourselves, we know we're not perfect. We're no, mm -hmm. We know we're not, you know, at the top, at the pinnacle. Like, there are things that we all can work on, but then it, it, it's a hindrance to us when our spouse wants to bring something to us, and we can't hear that. Even if we don't agree, we need to be able to just take it in, ponder it, pray about it, or whatever. But you've got to be able to hear those hard things about yourself. Mary, that's awesome. Would either of you have anything to add to that? I would just add uh, premarital counseling. Um, Nathan and I did not do that, and I'm pretty sure we actually even said the words. I mean, nothing's going to change when we're married. <laughs> and so that just wasn't true. And we, in a lot of ways, were just not prepared because we didn't take the time to do that particular work together. And so a lot of things felt really surprising once we were married. So I, that was an excellent answer. And uh, there's two, and I can't, there's nothing more that I would add to that. So I'm going to say something that we actually did right that, um, that kind of saved us. Uh, we had, I mean, we were like, she's exactly right. We were like, oh, that'll never, what, what could we possibly need to know? I'm so in love with you. Everything was roses. I mean, we'd only been dating for seven months. How much could go wrong in that time? <laughs> but uh, what we actually did have the conversation like, look, we, we absolutely do not believe in divorce. Like, we absolutely, that's not going, like, we're not even, that word is not going to exist in our vocabulary. And we insisted on that. And I think that was a good, and we believed that about each other. And I think that was a good conversation to have because... 10, 15, 20 years down the road now, about half of our relationships that we have with other people, um, their marriages have ended in divorce. And they look, they've always asked me at some point, like, what, how did you guys, what, how are things? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, we did so many things wrong, like so much wrong. But one thing that we did right at the very beginning was that conversation and, and just clinging to each other in that way. Um, and I can't explain the long jet, like there's no, I hate to, I know this is supposed to be like a, hey, what, like if you're looking for formulas, maybe there's some good tips here, but God just did what he was going to do, and we were just faithful to that. That's it. Um, so. Thank you. I, I think the only thing I, I, I would add is the, yes, individual counseling, potentially pre-engagement counseling. Um, and then premarital uh, pre counseling, all of that counseling um, <laughs> is very good. Um, yes. Be, and, and also making sure that you find your people. So having good relationships with other married people and not breaking away from them mm. because they're going to help you in times where you start to slip 
and infatuation and some of the other things. Because you're going to need people that you're going to need to be honest with, that are going to be your people, so that when the yellow flags come up that you need to work through, you can engage with them, and then also that can tell you that there were some red flags there and you may need to get your Nikes on. Because I think one of the challenges that we have is when we get in a relationship, we begin to separate from our people. Mm. And then later on, we, we have a lot of regret. Yeah. And also we keep things that we're, we're with people, but we don't tell them everything because we're afraid it's gonna break off the relationship. And so, so much of that is trusting the Lord and having faith that what he has for you is for you. So be honest with your people, be connected with your people, don't be isolated uh, in dating and in relationships. That's good. That's good. You guys know what you're talking about. Do you have anything to add? I mean, the only thing that I would add is that I remember I was 28 when we got married. So. And I was working at a church, and everyone was like, when are you going to get married? Are you going to have a boyfriend? You know, they're always asking and asking. And I remember thinking, I don't want anything but what God wants. And I can only attribute that to the Lord working in my heart. But I, we, when we started dating, and we were, like, courting. Talk about grandma and grandpa. We were courting, like, no kissing, no nothing. It was, Yeah. Um, but we prayed individually that the Lord would blow this up if it wasn't what God wanted. And we were so convinced that if we, if we got what we need, like what we wanted and it wasn't what the Lord wanted, then we'd be screwing it all up. And Mm -hmm. so if this is not what the Lord wants, I don't want it. Mm. Well, that's a great segue into this sort of second part of the question. How did you know that you were marrying the person that God intended for you? And what characteristics should you look for slash what questions should you ask to know whether or not that person is for you? I would say um, this was a a big wrestle for me just because uh, Nathan was pretty different than what what I had dated before, but also was a very new Christian, and he was not. <laughs> he had been a Christian for a really long time, and so I was like, man, how do, how do I know? And I remember just um, one day I was just praying, and God was like, hey, do you trust this guy to put your needs before his own? And if you mm-hmm. do, then you can you can follow him because that the whole concept of marriage as god uh wrote about it was not something that i had ever seen and so i knew like okay i'm i'm signing up for something that i've never seen modeled like how do i know i can do this and that was the question and as i as i like sat there i was like yeah i really do believe that and it doesn't have to be perfect but i believe that like, he would trust the Lord to, like, do that. Um, I'll just say, one of the most attractive things about Anthony at the time when we were dating was he was telling me books he was reading, and he was already in Bible study, and he was doing, he had good friends and accountability already. So I think a lot of times we think, well, he's just, you know, not married. He needs to have a wife to then, like, start these things. It's not going to happen. If he's not doing it now, you're not going to make him do it. Maybe for a month, but that's it. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, I would say um, make sure that if if I'm a female, is this a man that you want to follow? Um, and what is he doing? Where is he leading? What does his life look like right now? Um, where are we going? Uh, even when we're going on dates and going out, you know, are we just falling out into different places or is there some thought into some of this? Um, 
and as a man, I read books like Mark of a Man by Elizabeth Elliot, which I thought was great. Uh, a really great book called Before the Ring, which I think every single man should get because it has a lot of great questions that you can work through with regard to finances, with regard to vision. Um, how am I treating the women in my life? Um, what does my faith actually look like? And you might want to date long enough for a fight to happen. Um, wow. Because you need to figure out how am I going to respond um, when fights take place. I'm not someone that has, I don't think, you know, a certain amount of time and whatnot. I just think you have to have people and be honest with yourself, be excited about the white flags, see if you can work through the yellows, and then run when you see the reds. Sometimes it's just not now. Because sometimes it, it has, it, sometimes it's both of you are not ready. Sometimes it's you're not ready. Sometimes it's them that's not ready. But you want it in the right season, right? But if you can see the marriage as bigger than just you getting your, your needs met, right? Or whatever, the, whatever the, 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 the story is, if you see it as this is missional and purposeful, not that it's only that. But if you see it as that, because there'll be times where you're like, marriage has got to be more than this. And for Christians, it is. <laughs> right? It is. It is more than that. Um, and so that's just kind of how, what I would say to, to that. Okay. that. Sabrina, can you repeat the question real quick? Because I, oh, I'm reading it. How many, how'd you know you were marrying the person God intended? Okay. Not enough soulmates. Or here's the only, okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm going to speak against the, the soulmates thing. I, hmm, I think it's exactly like Aaron was saying. It, the soulmates thing implies that the greatest purpose of your life is to find the spouse and to find this one person. 
And it's so much bigger than that. It's really about knowing what you're called to before you get involved with that person. And then is this person, there might, you know, we, we serve a God who is way more sovereign and powerful than we give him credit for or than we want to believe. And so, um, of course, he's got the plans for us out there, but it's way bigger than um, who your soulmate is or who your marriage partner is. So you just got to find somebody who is, can this person be compatible with what God is calling me to? Um, and if it, if it is, then you, you know, you do all these, you know, these good advice things and you, you, you follow him in that. Um, that's what I think. Okay. So a few people have asked, and, and I hear this question a lot, as Christians, do you recommend that, um, that people get married younger or that they get married older when they are more established and understand them as, an, as adults? But I'm going to flip the question a little bit and say, what do you see as the impact of marrying very young and the impact of marrying when you're older and more established, both in your marriages or in marriages you observe? Well, we got, we got married after that really, that first year after college where everything is the worst year of your life, that's where, <laughs> we got married right after that. And, but we had been, we had lived enough life to know what we thought God was calling us to. And so, and we, we, we knew enough about ourselves pretty much that we, and, and we had, we had, I guess we had dated, we had had enough relationships that we knew what we, what the red flags were and what we didn't want. Um, and so we were kind of like, we didn't get married real young or real old. It was like just enough. So try to, try to get married when it's just enough. That's what I would yeah, say. Yeah, but... <laughs> But in today's day and age, that would be considered very young. I guess so. Yeah. I was 25 and she was 24. Yeah. So. yeah, I would say it's really, that's, that's really a more individual kind of thing to answer. I don't think there's one right answer for everyone. I, I do think that there's beauty in waiting and like having more of a sense of yourself and knowing what you want. Um, I also think there's beauty in being younger and kind of <laughs> gritting through the the really adulting part of life together. Um, I don't think there's one right way per se. Yeah, I would actually agree with that. I think it depends on your foundation. And so if I am if I am falling deeper and deeper in love with Jesus and I'm pursuing someone that is going to love him, him more than they will ever love me, then there's a certain amount of maturity that will come when the times come, when the rain and the storms come, because we're always going to go back to him. And if I'm pursuing someone that's going to go back to him, um, that is going to help me whether I'm younger or older. I will also, I think as we get older, we become more selfish, we become more, um, set in our ways unless we're connected to people this is also why it's important when you're single to be involved in the church to be involved in kids ministry to be giving 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 so that you're prepared when you get into marriage to be giving giving and sacrificing um so i i also know that when you get older things start to not work as well uh <laughs> Um, and so just be, keep, keep that in mind that we, you know, back and everything else, um, you know, just keep some of that in mind. Okay. All right. We have a lot of questions that you guys have texted in. And I think what I would hear you guys conclude is there is no recommendation about age, that that really has to do with the the people that are in the relationship, the stage of life that they're in, the experiences that they've had, and their, their walk with Jesus in a lot of ways. And to sum that up, I would just say, like, God's timing is perfect. <laughs> like, we, in some ways, that's something that we can't control, like, how old we are when we get married, because it takes two people to be ready and 
and come along and and God is working in that as well. His timing is perfect. So So I'm going to move, take it a step further. And these, this may not apply to you all as in fact, I, I know that it does not, but what would you say to couples that are in a relationship or they are already married to someone that is not a Christian? Um, this, they did not have the opportunity to, to do all the things that we just talked about, and they are now in a marriage. What does godly marriage look like when one person is a believer in Jesus and one person is not? I think that, I think Anthony had said something earlier about your pursuit of God in light of uh, before marriage and even in marriage. And so what I would say is there is something about the steadfast pursuit of God um, and a submission to him and his word, right, that regulates that, right? Because the one thing you know for sure, whether your spouse is a believer or not, um, you're, you're still called to God in the way that you committed to him when you were single. Mm-hmm. And so what happens in that, in the wisdom of communing with the father and in his word, he gives you specific direction and instructions in your marriage for your spouse. And the scripture does talk about, right, winning over a spouse. But here's the thing. Um, I, I think that, I mean, it even talks to it. You know, sometimes we think in winning we think in terms of badgering and those type of things. No, you allow the spirit of God to give you direction. There's times when you should say something. There's times when you shouldn't. But, but to be sure, right, regular prayer, right? And then even the times that you heart, I mean, you plead with God. Lord, have mercy on me. I am trying to live faith with you. God is not going to allow your devotion to him to outdo his devotion to you. So it's just a matter of time, but just know God is saying to you, if this is your situation, I have not forgotten you, right? And in those times at hard, you say, Lord, have mercy, give me strength. But your devotion to him will went out to give you direction, right? Anyone like to add to that? Yeah, I think that um, piggybacking on what Aaron said, I think there are times in our lives, and this would definitely be one, where we're going to have to bear our full weight on the word of God. And so in the word, it says that he makes or causes all things to work together for good. And so you as that individual, you are continuing to pursue him. You're pursuing and fulfilling or working to fill your role in the marriage as unto Christ and trust him. In that, that he will work in and through the rest of your family, your husband, your kids. And so just making sure that you stay here, you fulfill your role and trusting and having faith and fully being surrendered to God as you're taking one step at a time and also leaning on your family. The reason why we're up here today is not because we have it all figured out because we know that as family, we need to be working through these things together. That's good, thank you. I'm gonna ask a question about a, the controversial subject of submission. It was Pastor Carlos's favorite sermon that he preached. And, <laughs> and it, it is complicated, right? Because summarizing it in, in uh, 30 or 45 minutes is difficult. When you think about what submission and what headship has looked like in your marriage. And I'm actually gonna start with the wives in this situation. What is something that you have learned about submission or headship that is maybe different than what you thought going into marriage? Well, um, so we were 22 when we got married. So, uh, yeah. So Aaron, um, there was a lot to learn, you know, <laughs> for both of us. <laughs> um, submitting, to be honest, when we first got married, I, I did. I felt like I was, I'm just going to be real. I felt like I was smarter. <laughs> I felt like I was. She was. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was more capable, you know. I was definitely better with finances, you know, all these things. So it was a little bit difficult in the beginning um, to 
But, I mean, I remember one time, you know, prayer, in my prayer time, God just showed me um, a picture of, I was kind of like a, a hill, sort of, and there was a chair, and there was a chair at the top, and, um, and it represented headship, and I was sitting in it. <laughs> and God was just like, he can't be, because of course, my heart is like, God, I want Aaron to be the head. I want him to be a capable leader. And he's like, if you're sitting there, how can he sit there? Like, you have to get out of the seat first. <laughs> and that's a scary thing because it's a surrender and it's, it, it, you know, it's a faith move because you're thinking, well, I, I'm better at things. He's going to let things fall or he's going to, you know. But like Aaron said before, you, you marry someone who loves Jesus more than you love the other person. So my heart was like, God, I want what you want. So, um, so I had to get out of the seat. Can you, can you give us an example of what that might look like? So we had, um, you know, we did have financial issues. And, and, and not to say, I mean, Aaron was very, you know, we worked together. I'm not saying that, you know, he was trying to be a hard task, you know, ruler or anything. But there were times when we could not come to a decision. We could not come to a compromise. There was, there was situations where he believed one way and I believed the other. You know, what we should do with this money and what we, you know, um, and after discussion and not being able to kind of maneuver through that, it, it, it came down to, okay, if, if I'm called to submit, this is my time. This is my opportunity. This is, this is the time that God is calling me to. And, and, so, and so I did. There have been other situations down the road with, with children. Some of the decisions that we had to make um, regarding our children and, and you know we, we we're very you know we're very big on communicating and talking things out and trying to compromise but sometimes you hit those times where there is no compromise you you believe one way he believes the other and um and we've had times in with our children where i've had to just say okay god i'm gonna trust you and that's what it is it's 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 not necessarily putting my trust in Aaron. It's trusting in God that as I obey him in submission, yeah, he's going to take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if things don't turn out the way that you think they should, because oftentimes they don't. But God still got you, and God is still, you know, and, and God honors your heart to be obedient to him. That's good, Gretchen. Uh, I'm going to, Tim Keller talks about submission as uh and it's just one definition, but he talks about it as tie-breaking authority. So you just talked about how your relationship really looks like collaboration, discussion, working through. But it's when you come to those places where you cannot come to resolve, those are the places where you exercise that submission. So you're mutually submitting, mutually, mutually, mutually. You hit that block, and that's when you turn it over. Thanks for explaining that. Go ahead. I was just going to add to that, just uh, saying the same thing basically, is that I remember an older woman told me, you have got to trust the Holy Spirit that lives in him. And I just thought, I, I'm, I'm hearing him, I'm here like thinking I got it, but I, the Holy Spirit lives in him and he is going to be the head of the house, the head of the, our family. And so if we come to one of those times... Honestly, I'm like, go ahead and make the decision because it's on you. <laughs> a lot of times I'm like, you can do it. I'm fine. Um, but I grew up with a dad that kind of made all the decisions too. So it was a little bit easier for me to do that and not like get counseling. You need to understand that because then you go, well, what do you want to do? I mean, it's just, there's so many things. One other thing that um, I'm so thankful, one of his groomsmen in our wedding, we had like, so many and there were like a 70 year old man there was a 50 year old man there was a 28 year old groom there was i mean so there was this huge group of people and i was so thankful for those men in anthony's life because one of the things he said was don't sweat the small stuff mm -hmm. and so he doesn't nag me about decisions about 
you know, what clothes to buy the kids, or he trusts me to do those sort of things, or what we're eating, or what color we're gonna paint the wall. And so when, we, when he's making the big decisions, he's not constantly nagging me. So I'm like, yeah, let's talk about this. Let's do this together. And I want you to know that I support whatever you're doing. That doesn't mean I submit all the time. <laughs> That's for sure. But in those big things, I do. I trust the Lord. And I know he trusts the Lord. Yeah. I'd love to hear from, from you guys as well. And in particular, yeah, I know you guys. I can ask. <laughs> In particular, I'd love to hear from you because you both are professionals. You both, um, I'm sure, contribute to the home financially. You both care for kids. I, I know that about you all. So in your relationship, what does submission look like? Or where have there been places of success or challenge? Yeah, I would say... That's definitely true. Um, Nathan and I, you know, we both work. We, we equal, equal parent duty. Um, and for me, it really does go back to what Gretchen said, like trusting God that if we're not on the same page, but I would say the majority of the time, it is just conversation and we do end up on the same page. Um, but there have been times in our marriage where we just were not and they were like big things big decisions and i that was hard i like i said it didn't come from a family where this was modeled in fact i would tell you that i came from a family that was run only by women and men's just like sat in the corner and did stuff while the women did everything else and um and so there was a lot of time early in our marriage where Nathan would say, hey, are you like wearing the pants? Because <laughs> that's what I would call it. I would say, oh, in my, in my family, the women wore all the pants. Um, and so he would be like, hey, are you, are you wearing the pants? And I would be like, oh, okay. Um, but it, for me, it is just prayer. When we have not been on the same page and I have thought, um, I'm not sure I agree, but we got to make a decision and that's at the end of the day he has the tie-breaking rule like I just pray and every time I can tell you God has been faithful either that it worked out the way that it was supposed to work out or even if it didn't and we realized like ooh, that one that wasn't what we hoped for I didn't feel this pressure and neither has Nathan ever come to me and been like I told you you know what I mean? Like, neither one of us was like, yep, told you that wasn't going to... Because, <laughs> because, like, through God's, like, working, we just were like, no matter what happened, we still felt together in it, even if he was, you know, making the final decision. Um, yeah, I would... So, this whole thing, I would say, the uh, for the guys out there, it's a it's a double-edged sword and it's a very much a be careful what you wish for situation because the truth is that uh, the mis the with this whole submission thing and headship thing um, I'm not sure exactly how God works it all out but I do know that the mistakes that I make affect our family a lot more on, on the negative side um, and that's just real. Um, on the positive side, there have been, I'll give you a real practical example of, of, of all this. Uh, we struggled with infertility um, er, early in our marriage when we thought it was the right time to have kids. And once the doctor said, you will not have kids, um, I immediately was like, oh, well, we're going to adopt. Like, no question. And uh, Amy was like, I don't know about that. And uh, so, but I was like, no, it's like, we are clearly supposed to be parents and we're, we're going to, we'll go, we're going to get in this process. And so I led us into that. Now, when we were in the middle of the process, our particular uh, agency would show profiles of us uh, to, uh, to birth mothers and the birth mother would, would pick uh, people to show, uh, to give, and then we would decide whether we were going to adopt or not. 
And this particular year was the lowest year of the, in Missouri history for like birth mothers to actually uh, mm. present their children for adoption. And so it was really, it was a really tough waiting for that. We were just looking for that the whole year. Um, and part of the reason why it was so tough was I was not willing to, uh, I was not willing at first to even open up our profile to other races. I was really insistent, like the kid we adopt needs to look like me. Um, I was, I was not open to other, I, I was not open to any sort of health complications. Like though they smoked, no, they drank, no, they like was not open to any of that. And finally, Amy came to me one day and she was just like, and I know she was struggling with this. And this is how, this is how God works. Came, she came to me and said, Hey, I feel like, um, that if I, if I had been the baby we were considering that you wouldn't have adopted me. Wow. And uh, it was true and it killed me. Mm. It killed me. And uh, I had to, we, we, we gave that up. Um, I gave that up to God. We changed our profile in a lot of ways. And, uh, and six months later, um, God gave us Emerson. Mm. And uh, uh, that's, it's just one example of how God's spirit works and submission works. Amen. So I'll say, I'll say this real quick because I know we got to move on. Um, um, Mm. And this is, is to the women. And I say this humbly that most men um, are not ready made. If you know what I mean. (laughs) Most. So I was getting there. That was my, that was, that was my, that was for, that was for the men. That was my soft, you know, I was going to get there. I think it's kind of fun. I just jumped out, didn't it, Sabrina? Sabrina's like, did I say that out loud? Yeah, you did. But that's true. That is true. Um, and it works both ways, really. I mean, there's just other issues, right? Because for the woman, it can be like emotionally, you know, like I, you know, so there's maturity going on. But, but here's, here's the point, women, as it relates to, because you do have the, you know, the harder role and sense of submission. But here's what God is saying to you. Help me make him better. I want to make him better. Marriage, again, I said it before, it's formative. Because I know in our relationship, that's how it's worked out. As she said, look, God, I'm trusting you. God's like, yes, I will make him better. He submitted to me. I will make him better. Right? So. Yeah, I think you, you said here, you know, you think that the woman has the harder role, but, but I think that God gives us the role that's the hardest for us, both men and women. Um, and I think that he asks men to do something that they cannot do without complete dependence on him. And he gives women something to do that they cannot do without com- complete dependence on them. It's interesting. He, in some ways, he gives us the responsibility that's the hardest for us. Um, and so... I, I thank you all for, for tackling that. There is so much to say on that subject, and I think we all encourage that when you're, when you're dealing with the issue of roles um, and responsibilities, that it's not something that you take in a formulaic way, but that you enter into relationship with people. You all have all talked about relationships with others of the same gender, and even couples that can help you walk through what that looks like in real time. So I'm going to jump into a couple questions um, with a little bit of time that we have left about um, intimacy and the impact of infidelity. Um, And not just infidelity as in adultery, but even in uh, pornography, unfaithfulness in marriage. How does one continue in marriage once those things have happened and also honor God? No simple answers there, right? Yeah, this is an individual thing. Um, I'd say a couple things. One of the things uh, Tim Keller said that really stuck with me and it was on the subject of forgiveness and he was talking about how um, we have to look at um, how we are interacting with people 
how we are giving out or responding with the forgiveness that we've received from Christ and making sure we're not um, beating people up, um, trying to make them pay for what they've done. But he said that we are to begin to, with, with Christ, with the help of Christ, begin to move toward the other person, which means we're called to pay some of the cost mm. and not leave that person out there to pay all of the costs. He called it being a sin eater. And so even though this person did this to me, I'm not just called to let them stay over there. Yeah. I'm supposed to eat some of the sin and move toward them. Now, that looks like a variety of different things. That looks like counseling, begging God, weeping, mourning, fighting, um, wrestling in the um, in your pastor's office with your elders um, but the the picture of Christ and the way he has forgiven us gives us the ability to move toward and it's going to feel so uncomfortable it's going to hurt it's going to be hard because we're paying the Christ but it's a picture of Jesus who being him who knew no sin, became, becoming sin for us, and, and having to carry all of our sin, the full weight and the punishment of God, as he moved toward us to take all of the heat, he's calling us in marriage, in relationships, in friendships uh, to do the same thing. And then the last thing I would say is a pastor once said that when you're seeking to get married, you need to have a basket full of massive, bolder forgivenesses. Just a basket of about seven to eight of them. Just big, mad, just, and you, you're going to need them to be able to forgive. But then he said you need a whole semi-load of little bitty forgivenesses. Because you're going to need them. And so in, in, in marriage... We talk about him being our firm foundation, and, and, and he won't fail us, but it does mean that we have to, we've got to be with him, and if we're with him, we're just a dead body being pulled across, and somehow we get on the other side, but it's not without him, and it's not without family. And it's yeah. not without pain, suffering, mm. hurt, scars. But in the end, we will be just like him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very good. So let me say this, and I'm going I'm to try to be quick. So infidelity um, is gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching, soul-wrenching, spirit-wrenching. And um, whether that is infidelity as it relates to pornography, whether it relates to a sexual affair or an emotional affair. So just know that. And the, who, whoever the spouse is in the situation that that's happened to, there definitely uh, needs to be that time for mourning and grieving, right? And there's no time, there's no science to that, right? So there's that piece. But here's the thing that I, I would say along with what with Brother Lester said is if you were, you've, you're on the other side of that, right? You are the one who um, has been hurt and wounded because of that. Um, this question is always out there is what is there for me to understand more about my spouse that led to this? And this is not pointing inward like, you know, what did I do? This is more of a question to God. What is it that I need to understand that I don't understand? Because it very well could be, and most of the time it is for believers, um, there is something that that spouse who stepped out or whatever, part of, again, that formation they need you, right? It doesn't mean that there's not situations you, you know, in, in, in those 
experience of sexual infidelity, you know, and, and adultery, you, you know, you know what the scripture says. There's grounds for that. However, that question is still out there. I think, you know, as the spirit is leading, but that question is, what is there for me to understand, my Lord, in this situation? Um, and I just think that's a, that's a powerful question. Um, what I would say is, um, it, it takes both people <laughs> to move past this. So both people have to want to. Um, and if you have that, I think it's important to remember that when it comes to forgiveness, Christ has gone first. So if you're, you know, if your spouse is a believer, like they are already forgiven. Mm. Um, and so you have Jesus to look at and to lean on in how to do that. Um, not saying that's easy, um, but you're not alone in trying to get there. And I would, I would say too that you actually, to really move past, I think you have to grieve it together because um, there's grief for both of you in what you thought your marriage was and um, what it has become. And so you have to grieve that together if you're going to rebuild it together. Um, and lastly, I would say you need help. You cannot do that alone. And I don't just mean counseling. You guys know I'm a counselor, so I'm going to say, like, yes, you need counseling in these moments. But I would also say you need community. You need your pastors. You need friends. That, and you, it can be so isolating because you don't, you want to be protective of your spouse and you want to be protective of what people think of your marriage. Um, but the truth is, you, it's so isolating. And in that isolation, the enemy can lie to you so much about the hope of your marriage but if you're not alone in it, if you can be honest, if you can let people know so they can pray for you, so they can check in on you, um, you're better off. Wow, thank you for sharing that. I'm gonna close with one last question. What is the single most impactful decision that you've made in your marriage to help it grow? No pressure. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say for, and this is just my opinion because we didn't talk about this uh, beforehand, but I'm going to say for, for me, it was staying here, staying in St. Louis. Nathan and I moved here <laughs> to go to Covenant, for actually for him to go to Covenant. Um, and we were like, we're going to be here two years and we're out. Because um, so we really wanted to be like where our family was. But we uh, got involved in this little church plant called The Journey. <laughs> and when two years was up, it was like, we would go home and visit. And we would just be like, man, where would we go church? this church feels different. <laughs> Could we be known here? Like, could we, would people really, like, ask us hard questions? Would people really be with us? And so we, we stayed. And for me, that has made all the difference because there are people in this church that are more family to me than our actual family. And, and I would say it wasn't just once, like... <laughs> Throughout our time here, we've begged God to send us somewhere else or do something else. <laughs> and it's the truth. And he, all, like, it always comes back like, where, like God, where else, where, else would we, where, where else would we find you? Where else would we, um, where else would we have this, this community? And so that's what we always come back to. And that really is, I mean, we wouldn't still be married I don't think. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Wow. Thank you. Um, I just want to say this, just first and foremost, I know a lot of times when you have um, conversations about marriage, um, you hear a lot that it is work and it's hard and it is. But let me say this to you as well. Marriage is good. 
oh, and there's sweet times. All the thing that, all the things that you you think marriage can be, you know, um, outside of it being idolatry over God, it's good. You have seasons that are very sweet, right? But you need to be connected to the Lord, so the Lord gives you, you know, uh, encourages your heart during tough seasons. But it can be sweet. It can be good. You can hit these these seasons and it's like a beer commercial. It doesn't get any better than this. There are those seasons. <laughs> they have the best slogans. Anyway, I'm sorry. I got, dist I got distracted. Um, but there you go. <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, the work part of it, I would just say committing to the work because committing to the work means there is payout, right? Because God is there, right? You're committing to him. And you're committing to work. It is work, but you're working towards, hey, things can be different. They can be better. Jesus can make both of you better, and he does. But you, you put the work in. So whatever situation you have encountered, you're just like, I don't think we can ever get back. You can. Because of who God is, all things are possible. Right? So know that you have to put the work in, but there's a payout because of God and his spirit, and it can be good. Amen. Do you want to add anything to that, Gretchen? What was the single most impactful decision that you made in your marriage to help it grow? Um, I guess I'll piggyback off of what Aaron said is the work. You know, from the beginning, we would try, you know, going to marriage conferences. You know, I was reading books all the time and just continue to learn, continue to um, make room for growth. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, I would say, so I'm, I, by the grace of God, I've become really good at doing business, building business, and it's like you give so much to the job, and you just pour it all in, but then your family gets to crumbs, and so one of the things I've learned about me is, you know, when you get into an area of conflict, you're either going to dominate or you're going to flee, and I'm the type that's flee. I'm like, girl, you getting on my nerves? You get up off of me now? And I'm, and because I know I'm getting frustrated, I don't really have the energy right now, but I've given all the energy somewhere else. And then your family gets to crumbs. And so, one of the important things that we did and I did was one I have a dear friend who I go on walks with all the time. He comes here sometimes, and he is someone that we talk about marriage, we talk about our relationships the sex that's going on in our marriage, money issues, and he tells me the truth about me. And, I, I, and that's what I spend the time on is learning about me and where am I not seeing it. And so that's been a big piece. But the other piece is we just weren't fighting fair a lot of the times. You know, we were, uh, God had always fixed the fight, but we were fighting and tearing stuff up. And so getting a counselor that helped us learn how to conversate. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of counselors out here, but there's certain ones that are helping you listen to each other, receive information from each other. And so that has been fascinating to be able to share with each other and understand where each other's coming from. And I'll just add one thing real quick is we have personally and individually have had some church um, hurt, but we have always been committed to the church. And when he says on a Saturday morning, when he's been all gone all week, that he wants to go walk with Joe, I go, yes, you can mm -hmm. go on. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, even though everything in me wants to say, uh, we, we want you here, but I know he's a better man because he's talking and he's going to man cave and he's, and so when your man wants to go to Bible study, don't nag him. Don't say, yes, go. We need you to go. We want you to be a part of the church and around other godly men, um, to encourage that. That's awesome. There's some definite themes that came up in this conversation. Thank you all so much for sharing first one was Christ is firm foundation. That's where we started. That without the idea that everything about marriage is centered on and based on our relationship with Christ, it's doomed. It's doomed. Um, second was work on self. The idea that 
Sometimes it's the mirror that, we, that is the cause of our marriage. Sometimes we need to look at self and, and then use community to help us better see ourselves. And really all of those things together lead to better impact, better relationship with the person we're in relationship with. Wow. There's a lot here. There's a lot more to unpack. There were a lot more questions that were asked. Um, we've talked about the fact that we can't possibly end this conversation here. And the staff and leaders are um, planning around what can we do to have more sustainable, ongoing conversations around marriage? How can we create spaces similar to Man Cave and Oasis that are really for couples to more deeply examine, understand one another, and for singles to better understand marriage. So we are actively planning around that. And would you like mm -hmm. to add anything? Yeah, no, I would, um, I would just say, uh, let's give it up for this panel. And, <laughs> and for... Thank you all for coming and thank you. Let's give it up. Can we give it up for our moderator as well? <laughs>So yeah, so we are um, definitely planning some things, just as Sabrine said, so stay tuned. We are coming up with creative ways to help continue the conversation. Uh, we wanna keep answering questions, we wanna keep the dialogue going. Um, we did see on the text, we uh, tried to group and answer as many of the questions that came through on the text as well. So you heard some of your questions uh, that Sabrine asked um, from the text group. Uh, but we are also, I want you all to hang in there, we've uh, given four sermons in a panel um, on, uh, on marriage, and we've tried to intersperse uh, things uh, for singles throughout as we've walked through. Uh, but the next two sermons that I'm going to preach start next week are going to be focused on singles. Um, so I saw several questions. Yeah, let's give it up. So I saw um, a couple of the questions that came through um, on uh, to the number uh, that's going to focus on singleness. So that's going to inform how I prepare my sermon as well. So y'all might get y'all questions answered in the next couple of weeks. And then we're going to have another panel after that in a couple of weeks um, on singleness. Um, so we're going to keep uh, the sermons, the dialogue going. But even beyond that, we are um, considering and thinking through different ways uh, that we can continue to enrich and pour into our marriages as well as our singles um, so that we can continue to grow together for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, at this time, we're actually, um, I'm going to give you all the benediction from here. I know we didn't do communion this Sunday. We didn't do a time of response, but we've got a couple of elders who are just hanging up here. So if you need prayer, I'll be down here. we got others here. If you need prayer or anything like that, you can always come down. We'll be right here. We'll pray with you. We'll talk with you. Um, and also, if you look in the back of your pew, there's a connect card and a connect card on our app as well. Um, if you need to connect or you need prayer, or maybe you heard something today um, that triggers you like, hey, I need to talk more. Or I need prayer. Um, but we are going to have our benediction from the book of Jude, Jude verse 24 through 25. Here, receive the uh, benediction, people of God. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Go in peace, people of God. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.